0: Hello everyone, welcome back to The Watchful Night's Week in Review. My name is Ishiv, or at The Watchful Night on Instagram, or just Watchful Night on Letterboxd. It's week three, so you guys should know how this works. I'm going to go through the movies that I watched this past week, add a little more color to my reviews, followed by a movie to keep on your radar, and then five movies to watch when. And yes, please, please do continue to tell me what you like, what you don't like, so I can improve the next episodes. So jumping straight into the weekend review, I think I've had a pretty pretty solid week of watching movies. So I'm excited to talk about some of them um, because again, I did watch more than I had anticipated. So I'm going to start with talking about the Souvenir Part Two. And if you tuned in last week, you know how much I disliked the first one, but you guys, the second one is much much better, and and I think a movie that people should be watching. So the Souvenir Part Two was released in 2021 directed by Joanna Hogg, starring Honor Swinton Byrne, Richard Ayoade, and Tilda Swinton. So following her, you know, the main character in the first one, Julie, her toxic and tragic relationship, Julie finds her therapy and her calling as she constructs a film where she sorts through fact and fiction of that very destructive relationship. So what I liked about this movie It's very meta and meta in the best way because so Joanna Hogg herself went through something similar and so it's a filmmaker making a movie about a filmmaker who makes a movie within that film who makes another film about her relationship about something that actually happened to her and so it's a very reflexive film that works on a loop and I think that's really really cool because it it shows you the importance of filmmaking is... Primarily for the filmmaker, making films and and everything is great for the audience, great for critics, whatever you want to say, but it's more therapeutic than anything else for the filmmaker. And so I think that that aspect was really, really cool. I think that meta-ness was handled really well, like not in your face, but very, very genuine, which is something I really appreciated. Also, it gave far more agency to the character than the previous film, because she's literally in charge of the narrative. I mean, I guess that's also sort of the point of the first movie, and it kind of justifies watching the first one. I say that because you do have more context, but again, I think the first movie, you can definitely watch this one without watching the first movie, and the performances are much better um, because the roles are more fleshed out. Like, Tilda Swinton has so much more of a better role here, and there's there's a better understanding, I think, that the cast had over the the general goal of these two films so what i didn't like i don't think it resolves any of the accessibility issues that the first one had like it's still very very slow very hard to keep your attention and a lot of people have talked about how well it's shot and i'm sure it is i I think it is too but it it's not enough to keep your visual attention either um so it's like very mundane that way the use of sound is again, not great. They play some 80s songs like out of nowhere, super, super loud. So I guess that kind of makes it cool. But uh, yeah, other than that, the sound is not great. And so many scenes still feel superfluous and just stuffed in there to make the runtime longer, which is always, always annoying to, to see from a movie. And this received a 6.2 out of 10, by the way. And I would recommend this movie. I think deep dive, it takes a deep dive into the filmmaking process and how that's very, very, it's a very personal and vulnerable thing actually to make a movie even though you're not starring in it um, and how it works for everyone involved. So yeah, I would recommend it. Definitely check it out, um, especially after my scathing review of the first one. Okay. So then I watched Barry Lyndon, I think the next day. Um, that's released in 1975, you know, directed by Stanley Kubrick. It, be, it received an 8.5 out of 10. I do want to talk about this movie more because, because of the impact it had when I watched it. But I think it's just, there's so much that's already been said about this movie. Um, so I would definitely recommend it. It's one of my new favorite movies. It entered my top 100 as number 75, I think, around that number um and yeah i think that's what's cool about this podcast and and just my instagram page is because i'm only 20 about to turn 21 and so i'm still finding new favorites and you guys get to see my taste develop and develop which is which is cool okay and then on monday night after that i watched lolita released in 1962 um, also directed by Stanley Kubrick, so if you are not realizing the trend now, you should know what, what that's going to be. Um, and this received a 5.4 out of 10. Very interesting movie, almost on the verge of condoning pedophilia. Like, not condoning, I think it's almost on the verge of making it seem normal and sweet in a way so that's it was just that's kind of off about it i think it's made pretty well though and it and the story does take some interesting turns i had i had never read the book so it was all very new to me would i recommend it no i think it's a bit strange still and just almost feels like that everything that happens in the movie is characteristic of a regular love story and And so everything is supposed to be normal but also this relationship is supposed to be seen as something that's special and that's just not the best thing so i would not recommend watching it it's also like pretty forgettable so then on wednesday uh, for my film genres class we watched our new romance movie and i'm so so glad we watched the lunchbox Um, and i want to talk about this movie because i think so many more people should be watching it as well and this was my second time watching that movie so the lunchbox was released in 2013 directed by ritesh patra starring irfan khan nimrat gaur and novazudin Siddiqui. and the story follows this married woman who prepares tiffins or lunchboxes for her husband but it gets sent to the wrong address where it finds its way to this older man, um, who was on the verge of being like this grumpy shut-in, um, until they create a fantastical world together through notes to each other with this lunchbox, and this received a 7.9 out of 10. So what I liked about this movie, a lot of things to like about this movie. I think what's really great about it is that it's like balancing the realism with the fantastical, and I think, and I'll talk about the fantastical in the second part in the later, but it's very, very real. I think it's very, very, very in tune with the real-life repercussions and understanding of the situations these characters are in, because, you know, he is older, and she is a younger housewife, and she has a husband, and the movie acknowledges all these things, and, and still brings that to light in a very sweet way where they can still develop this romance. And then the thing that makes it fantastical is that, like, the Tiffin lunchbox concept is so mundane Um, But having the opportunity to meet someone um, and to create that connection is something that you would only dream about, right? That's something that you would say, like, that's only something that happens in movies. And it does. So I think it's like a real, true representation of movie magic. So along with that, the performances are so, so good just really really nice and very subtle and so in tune with what they're trying to do so starting with Irfan Khan he is his performance is so understated and so just like very very empathetic I feel like to people in that situation so it's very very subtle his subtle eye movements um and his facial expressions are fantastic in this movie um yeah he's he's still one of the sadly we have lost him, but he's, he's one of the most talented actors, um, in general, and Nirmat I mean, you feel like, you feel for her, man, like, she goes, she's going through everything she's going through, you do feel, like, this attraction towards her of being this kind of ideal representation of both a woman in like the very conventional sense because she is primarily a caretaker and, and like a lot of these mov- women in, these, in this movie, but she's also not submissive. Like she's very adamant about what she wants. She's very um, like within the constructs and the constraints of her society, of course, but I think she speaks her mind um, in many different ways. In Avasat and Siddiqui, he's always fun to watch, always, always fun to watch. Um, and he's so good in this movie because he balances this irreverent goofiness that you meet him. Like when you meet this, his character, he's very, very goofy. Um, he seems very cartoonish. Uh, I think that's just the way that the movie frames him. But then he like becomes this beacon of wisdom, and he balances that so well. Also, another thing I I really liked about this movie is that with most romantic films, I mean, generally in rom-coms, but like a lot of things seemed forced and or contrived. But this romance is very, very understandable and very aware of its limits, and that's something that's very, very special to find. Let alone not only in a romance movie, but also in a in a Bollywood movie when everything could be a result of impossible circumstance actually this whole story happens because it's a very circumstantial story but nothing that happens afterwards seems like oh of course if you put two and two together it would that would happen that that's not the case and the ending is frustrating but i think it's really nice i think it forces you and wants you to interpret interpret what you just saw to decide on what takes place after the film ends and yeah, it ends in a very nice way. Um, yeah, overall, a lot of things to like. What I didn't like about this movie, to, and you kind of do notice this on the second time you watch it, but the music is not the best, and it's not because it doesn't have songs or anything, but the actual, like, soundtrack that they use, the score, sounds like stock generic sounds you can find online, like, and not even ones like you have to pay for. Um not to discount the people who make those but I think um for it just seemed to be very like student film-esque in that in that um in that aspect and then it does take a little time to really get going and some story beats do repeat like he does notice a couple of things about himself or from Khan's character he notices a couple of things about himself more than once when you're like we you've already figured that out why are you figuring this out again but that, that, that's good. I would definitely recommend this movie. I think it's one of my favorite things to come out of Hindi cinema in the past few years. I, I mean, I would say Bollywood, but I don't know if it was directly. I think it was more an independent film. But, yeah, in the past few years, this was released in 2013. Yeah, it's a, it's a good movie. Definitely watch it if you haven't before. Okay, and then on Thursday night, I watched A Clockwork Orange hint hint also directed by Stanley Kubrick Um, this received an 8 out of 10 I don't think I need to say anything about this movie that hasn't been said already I really liked it I liked it more than I thought I would actually so I would recommend it for sure do do know it's very weird but the social commentary is is great and I'm starting to realize kind of late actually but Kubrick probably was the best person who did social commentary well to the point where it's like at the core of the movie but not actively you know stuffed down your throat um to the point where it still has an interesting story so yeah i I like to clockwork orange a lot and i think i mentioned this but yeah it was released in 1971 it's one of his earlier movies i did not know that this came out before barry linden Um, which is interesting that he took such a bold risk, but I guess that was Kubrick. All right, another movie I want to get into detail with because I'm sure you guys are very, very curious about this movie. Um, On Saturday, after, uh, Saturday noon, because that's the only time I could find tickets for, I went to go watch Black Panther Wakanda Forever with one of my cousins. Um, So, you know, Obviously released this year, released this past Thursday. Thursday, yeah. Directed by Ryan Coogler, he did the first one. Definitely a smart decision, bringing him back. Starring Letitia Wright, Lupita Nyong'o, and Angela Bassett. And the story follows, I'm sure you obviously know this, but in the wake of mourning the death of their king, T'Challa, Wakanda faces a new threat from a similar nation trying to throw the balance off in the current world order and as those closest to t'challa find their calling and their paths forward and, and what they should do and this received a 6.8 out of 10. so what i liked about this movie i think overall i liked it um i think that's i would need to get that out of the way because i will say some criticisms and i will mention one thing at the end that i think will piss some people off but I, th- I have to say that I did like it overall so what I liked about it most importantly the character drama it's very very mature and it's it this is by no means is this a movie about I don't think this movie is about Black Panther at all it's a movie about Wakanda yes but it's really a movie about grief and a movie about mourning and it's very very nice to see that I mean let alone in a Marvel movie, but in a movie in general that just, it's done extremely well. It's, it's not like over-dramatized or like melodramatic in any way, but it's also like, it doesn't underscore, it doesn't undermine the importance of Chadwick Boseman and T'Challa. And it was really tasteful because it was, not constantly looking for the next action scene, like it would never sacrifice those deeper character moments just to put in some CGI, um, which is nice, I really appreciated that aspect of it. And I think one thing that really shows that aspect is the performances, man, do these people step up, I mean Lupita Nyong'o was one of the finest actresses in general, um, like she doesn't always an amazing job but like Letitia Wright steps up Denai Gurira like really really steps up I was re- really enjoyed her performance and sadly she didn't get enough screen time but Winston Duke like the perfect comedic relief like this, you know the very stock Marvel comedic relief but he he does have a lot of impact on the story the the villains and this movie are very good that the acting of from them was very nice and angela bassett killed it in that one scene when they're sitting in the council once you watch the movie you'll know what i'm talking about and yeah the movie feel like genuinely feminine feminist right like from really coming from a genuine perspective because it's not like something that marvel and disney were like oh we're gonna make this about girl power it was like it was very very in tune with the the, their emotions with their strengths and abilities as people you know and not only as women and maybe some of the added benefits of being a woman in that in that case so i I really like that and these Black Panther movies really, really know how to use music well, and and use sound well. Um, not to say, like, the score in this one was as good as the first one. I don't think it really brought anything new except the villain's sou- soundtrack score thing. But Kugler really, really knows how to how and when to use his music. So that's that's good. So a lot of things to like, and then, you know, simultaneously a lot of things not to like. I think both black panther movies have pretty bad action Um, but in this one it was especially bad because first of all there's not a lot which is fine but this movie is also two hours and 41 minutes long and we have been accustomed to a marvel movie where we are not going through grief and mourning and intense character dramas so we are expecting some good action but staged really poorly i think the cgi is terrible. I don't know what's going on with the CGI with them these past few past couple years I guess Um, so yeah the actions I I didn't even like the action in the first one so maybe that's a common theme it is way too long Um, so many things like the whole Everett Ross subplot didn't need to be in the movie whatsoever but you know it's a Marvel movie so we need to connect them yeah that was kind of annoying and then it's very like very very forgettable I feel like I will forget about it next week I feel like I will forget that I watched it um and my cousin and I walked out and we were discussing something like we were we went to dinner afterwards and then we were trying to remember something that happened in the movie and nothing came to either of us um even though we just watched it so I think that's that's not a great thing but yes, um, overall, what I recommend Yes, it's one of the better Marvel movies, without a doubt, to come out in this new phase. Very, very understanding with its of its condition, with the loss of its star, and how important culturally the first one was. I think it's um, the way it handles the cultural aspects of this new nation is very, very nice. Um, yeah, and <laughs> I'm laughing because. One of the most Boston things happened in this movie-watching experience because they, they end up going to Cambridge, because um, they have to pick up someone who's at MIT, and when Cambridge, Massachusetts came up, like everyone in the audience was like, ooh, and then like someone clapped their hands. It was very, very Bostony of them. And then um, I think Denai Gurira's character says, uh, Okoye says um, that it looks like an equivalent of a Wakanda village school and then I got some laughs because maybe a lot of them don't go to MIT. I definitely laughed because c- I don't go to MIT. Um yeah and and this was kind of the movie so I have been very disappointed with Marvel lately so much so that I decided to not watch any more of this um because it's just not been good. I've been actively disappointed like not The amount of effort I've been putting in to keep up with it, I have not been rewarded with those movies. And this movie didn't really change my mind. I think I'm officially going to stop keeping up with them if there's one that comes out that gets, you know, some good reception and that I'm interested in, I might go watch it, but it's just not worth it anymore. So, yeah. But Wakanda Forever, good movie. Go watch it. Okay, then, then this is important because that same day I came home and I decided to watch The Lobster released in 2015 and this movie is awesome, this movie is so good, Um, it became one of my favorite movies of all time as well, so you know, two favorite movies of all time in one week, that's pretty good. Okay, so I have to talk about this movie in depth. The Lobster, released in 2015, directed by Yorgos Lanthimos, um, starring Colin Farrell, Rachel Weisz, Olivia Coleman, John C. Reilly, um Léa Seydoux, pretty good cast. Um, it, it's in a dystopian near future, and single people are taken to a hotel where they are obliged to find a romantic partner. In, I think it's 45 days or they're transformed into beasts and animals and they're sent off into the woods and this received an 8.7 out of 10 okay what I liked about this movie there's so much to like but so besides the premise because I don't think you've ever seen a movie with this premise this premise is so so intriguing um, and you just don't know where it goes you don't know where it's gonna go and it both goes in places you want it to go, and it goes in some really, really weird directions as well. Um, and no movie has like captured that feeling or, or that that theme of, is love purely a feeling? Is it something that you are willing to commit to with all of your heart, quite literally in this movie? Or is it purely a societal construct do we feel this emotion because society has been telling us that this is an emotion to feel and that you are incomplete without it or is it something that is innately human and that does not need to be controlled and uh my god that's that's just a revolutionary thing um to put onto a movie that's so so bizarre and it's like very very funny also like horrifically funny darkly funny but I genuinely laughed out loud in some moments because it shows you the absurdity of this society. And it's also very hysterically scary. And I mean that because there are some genuinely like haunting moments that happen in this um, on a much more subtle level. So yeah, guys, this movie is off the chains I also really liked the vibe of this movie because it seems very cool and detached and I think that's making the grander point that this movie trying to make and the way it does that it's with it's filmmaking I think it's cinematography and it's editing um, and it's even, even it's production design and like general color palette I think it's supposed to be very like doctor office-y like um, and it, it frames shots really really well uh, in general, but I, th- I like the vibe that that was taking out, and, um, you know, the the ensemble cast works really well together, that score, the, like, sharp score, even though it kind of gets overplayed, it, it works really, really well, um, and, yeah, I think that this movie is very, very unique, S- caught me so off guard, and I'm super glad that I have seen it. So what I didn't like is that the narration at the beginning, um, you do kind of figure out why this narration was there. Like it's not purely just an ominous, you you know, third-person narrator. But the narration in the beginning is kind of annoying. Um, It's also like pointing out so many obvious things, I just don't think it needs to be there. And then the second act slows down just a tad, just a tad. I will say this movie keeps you intrigued throughout. The second act, just like, you know, for 10 minutes, I think, it just slows down. Um, But yeah, would I recommend it this movie? Of course I would. It's one of my new favorite movies. It entered my top 100 at number 45. It's weird. It's funny. It's dark. Everything you want from a movie like this. And boy, does that ending, like, really mess with you. So go, go watch The Lobster. Okay, so a movie to keep on your radar, I was going to say The Lobster, but I feel like this movie is not underrated. I feel like it's getting the love it needs, and a, a fair amount of people do talk about it, but maybe not my following. So go watch The Lobster. But real movie to keep on your radar this week is Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Um, it's a fun one to go watch. I think it meets the hype. So it both so it meets the hype of a black panther movie that doesn't have Chadwick Boseman in it and that honors him and that honors T'Challa and honors the cultural aspect that the first one had but in terms of quality of the movie it does not meet the hype of the first one but all that to say like you should go watch it I think it's it's one that you have to see because it, I think it's just much better than whatever Marvel was doing these past few movies um, and it, it, it managed to have that same cultural care that the first one does which I think that's why the first one was so iconic um, yeah so that's a movie to keep on your radar just released if you can't get tickets this weekend there's not like major spoilers there's like two big things that happen or three if you count the post credit scene um but yeah go go watch Black Panther Wakanda forever if you have never heard of a lobster that class of that satisfies my third requirement of a movie to keep on your radar people a movie that people don't talk about or watch enough so watch the lobster um just be prepared it is very weird like probably unlike anything you've seen so that's something I would keep in mind okay Last section, five movies to watch when... I didn't um, post this on my Instagram this week. I kind of came up with this on my own, and this is really just to get you guys... (laughs) Like, the key motivation is to get you guys some more recent movies that you guys can watch. So, five movies to watch when you want some hidden gems from the last five years, and perhaps you didn't get to check them out before. And so these are movies that I think didn't get their due course, in the years that they came out, and yeah, movies you should be seeing. Okay, so so number one, starting with 2021, I didn't do 2022 because this year has not finished. So 2021, um, it's the Mitchells vs. the Machines, directed by Michael Rianda, starring Abby Jacobson, Danny McBride, and Maya Rudolph. It's by the same people who made Into the Spider-Verse. The reason why is I feel like this movie kind of got lost in the animation mix because I don't understand why. I mean, I can go on about this movie for a while. I think overall I did like Encanto, but Encanto, that craze was far too... That's like the definition of overrated, is the Encanto craze. But yeah, it kind of got lost in the whole Encanto craze. I know Raya, surprisingly... I mean, it's a good movie, but it's got this like weird critical reception that's... You know a revolutionary disney film luca came out that year luca actually didn't get its due course when it first came out but i feel like over the course of the year people started appreciating more but mitchell's versus the machines was my favorite animated film of 2021 it's original um very very funny i was laughing throughout this movie entertaining and at the end of the day very poignant and, and thoughtful and it's everything you want out of an animation movie it's a bit crazy, it can get like a bit too visually stimulating sometimes, but, you know, it's a good movie, so check it out. And then, to 2020, the COVID year. And oh, this may be a bit of a cop-out, because I feel like a lot of people have seen this movie now. But it's The Invisible Man, uh, directed by Leigh Whannell. Lee Whannell? I think it's Lee Whannell. Yeah, Lee Whannell, starring Elizabeth Moss and Aldous Hodge. And it kind of got swept under the rug because this movie this is the last movie i watched in the theater before lockdown happened and so i think it was like literally a week before the world shut down and so i'm sure they would have gotten its reception um if it was just <laughs> been able to access more i think a lot more people have seen this movie now but i really do like it it's a very simple movie and i rewatched it this past summer when you rewatch it you you kind of realize like it's a very simple story. It's very simplistic in how it's saying, and exactly what you think is gonna happen kind it does happen right There's nothing new, no new like turns it's taking with its concept, but I think it's so well done. it's made extremely well. the way that builds tension in that first act is amazing um. I think the third act is where I like kind of, yeah, the third act is the place I had a little bit of a problem with it. But good movie, go watch The Invisible Man. And it's very accessible for people who don't like horror either, because I don't think it's that scary. It's just very creepy. Um, And there's some good scenes in there to knock your socks off. All right, moving to 2019. 2019 was like I feel like everyone watched movies that year and movies that were important because 2019 was a great year for movies you had like knives out you have parasite 1917 once upon a time in hollywood marriage story little women like so many good movies so i feel like there was a lot of stuff that people saw but this one ad Astra*, directed by james gray starring brad pitt and tommy lee jones I think some people saw, Um, if you're a big Brad Pitt fan, you watched it, and if you're a big space movie fan, you watched it. But I don't think it got the recognition that it, not necessarily deserved, but I thought that I would get, Um, or the reception that I thought it would get. And I think this movie is very unique. It's not accessible. Like the other 2019 movies, like if you think about it, Parasite, Nerd Story, those movies are very, very easy to fall into. And ad astra is not one of them it's slow paced it takes place in space but it's not like a space odyssey i mean sort of but you, you know what i'm saying right so i i would say watch this movie it's very different it's like a very it's a father-son drama that takes place in space so it's cool and i um i think van hoitama does a cinematography so that's obviously good and then the score, I forget who does the score, but I do like the score a lot as well. Okay, then moving to 2018, I don't know why more people haven't seen this movie, but it's 8th grade, and I know this was like, not underrated, but this is a movie people should be watching more. 8th grade, directed by Bo Burnham, written and directed by Bo Burnham, starring Elsie Fisher, my god like this is just a very understanding very empathetic look about what it means to be middle school and just like really points out just how weird middle school is and just how unnerving and terrifying it can be and it's a place where we're changing the most and so to put humans in that social context in that biological context because so you're going through puberty It's very interesting, and I think no other movie has captured that age better than this movie. Very, very empathetic, very in tune with the times. Um, You can tell that Bo Burnham... I I remember reading a piece of trivia where Bo Burnham said that the majority of the movie would have been based off of Facebook. And then he actually talked to people who were in middle school, and they're like, what? Nobody uses Facebook, and so that's why they shifted it to a YouTube channel. Um, so I think that just shows how understanding it is Um, and very poignant like that that movie is kind of sad so you know get get ready for that and then lastly 2017 was another big year for movies like that's the year Get Out came out Dunkirk came out that year Shape of Water, Blade Runner 2049 It so I feel like people have seen a lot of 2017 movies and this is kind of a weird one but it's gifted it's directed by mark webb starring chris evans mckenna grace and octavia spencer i don't think this movie got it's i don't think it necessarily deserves a high critical reception but it's quite a good family drama and it and it's it's also like it got a light humorous touch it's a family drama that's not too light but it's also not too heavy so it's like the perfect steady state movie and, it, and it's very intriguing because it does take some interesting story turns and there's like a twist at the end that works really well chris evans does a great job mckenna craze does a great job octavia spencer plays what she's been typecast into unfortunately but you know what what can you do but it's a good movie I like *Gifted*. Has some issues, but that's something I would keep in mind. So yeah, I know this five movies to watch one was kind of a cop out this this week, but I'm I hope these are movies that you can watch and they were released in the past five years, so they shouldn't be intimidating because they're too old or something like that. So all right, so this concludes this episode. As you can tell, I really enjoyed the movies I watched this past week, which is really cool. Big announcement is that either on Monday, I will be having a conversation with one of my film professors, Professor Joe LaRocca. He also has a YouTube channel where he does a daily review because this man is on his stuff every day. Like he releases a new review every day on his YouTube channel. I'm very, very excited to talk to him about it. Very excited for for you guys to hear him because he's a very entertaining person. And he just lives and breathes film. Um, so yeah, I will. I think we're doing we're doing that on Monday. So that will either go up that Monday or Tuesday, depending on when I decide to upload it. And yeah, let me know how this went. And uh, hope you have a great week. And catch you next week.